Welcome, friends of the podcast. So let's go with our sponsor, Blue Crown Aquatics. So I got some some deviously hidden information. You have to be in the depths of their Facebook feed to catch any details like this. But Robbie Chan softly leaked details this week. He's going to be bringing to us what, Jimmy? I don't know. What? What? Don't you follow the... Oh, that's right. You're still working through social media. Well, for those of you that don't follow Blue Corn Aquatics on Facebook, they're going to be bringing in betas on top of their already award-winning shrimp. That is right. I knew that. You did? I did know that. I you feel did. like you're just playing with me now. I'm not playing with you. All right. Well, clearly he's uh, been messaging Robbie Chan directly then. He's going to do some high-end betas. Extreme high-end betas. Extreme high-end betas. There's some great uh, uh, leaks that he's shown us. We don't uh, we don't know what there's coming in yet, but be prepared. Not only do you get awarding your shrimp from Blue Crown Aquatics, but betas are coming soon. To let you guys know about our offer, go to bluecrownaquatics.com and check out their award-winning shrimp and use offer code Aquarium guys with an S and get free shipping. Free shipping? That is not possible. So free shipping, you know, you think on Amazon, it comes with Amazon Prime shipping. No, this is fish shipping anywhere in the United States for nothing. Fish shipping is expensive as all get out. So, and I think they also screwed up. If you look on there and use that promo code, you can also get next day shipping. For what? Yeah. I'd, now don't, Robbie's going to hear this. He's don't change tell him it. that. No. I, I don't know, but get on there before they take it away. Bluecrownaquatics.com. Offer code Aquarium Guys. Good job, Rob. I can't, I, I, I can't believe you got through that without stuttering. I, I know. I'm, I need more caffeine. So next bit is, of course, our charity of choice, which is the Ohio Fish Rescue. And the Ohio Fish Rescue, they uh, just got done. I mentioned a little bit last week about rescuing even uh, some native species in a local pond that's going to be torn down. So certainly check out the YouTube videos on that. But they're also continuing to uh, add more and more tanks. Every video I see on there is just more and more expansion with these guys. So certainly check them out, ohiofishrescue.com. And the whole mantra with the Ohio Fish Rescue is there isn't a humane society for fish. So they want to be that and give big, uh, big fish a bigger home. People that buy a Paku, decide that it works in a 10-gallon tank, where is it supposed to go? Well, don't flush it down your toilet and certainly don't put it in a lake, river, or stream. You know, call Ohio Fish Rescue. And if you want to, go to their website, ohiofishrescue.com. You can donate money by using PayPal, Patreon. Uh, they also have a GoFundMe, but buy a t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt, call them up, give them some love. And like Rob said, don't take your Paku and flush it down the toilet because they're too dang big to flush down the toilet. And the thing that you don't know, you know, you just told me a secret about, about Robbie. He's going to be doing high-end bettas. Did you know what Big Rich is going to be doing? What's Big Rich going to do? He's going to be doing hair care products. Hair care products. Hair care products. He's going to be doing mullets on YouTube. He's going to be selling some hair gel and some stuff. I'm pretty excited about it. I have not told him about it yet. <laughs> See, we're working on, we're trying to bribe him into using this like new hair volume shampoo. Oh my lord! So uh, we'll see. Hopefully, talk him into that soon. But until then, at least give him a call and tell them that you love them. Two one six seven seven three zero four zero seven. And he's got to get on this before Billy Ray Cyrus catches wind of this because he will step up and he will be trying to steal all his business. Hey, they got mustache products. They need mullet products. Mullet products. That's for what sure. they need. All right, let's kick that podcast, guys. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. All right, guys, welcome to the Aquarium Guys podcast. Coming live at you from Studio B. Studio B, which is Rob's basement. My basement. And, and Adam, where are you at today? Uh, Studio O. What's that for stand for? Office. Office. <laughs> office. So I'm I'm Rob Zolson. This is Jim Colby. Hey everybody. And Adam El Nashar. Hey guys. 
So today we have a special guest. We have from Cleveland, Ohio, if I did my math correctly. It is Dave from Something Fishy. How are you doing, buddy? Great. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate you having uh, having us on. Uh, we actually got a hold of you uh, two days ago, and you were kind enough to join us last minute. Normally, we have uh, a lot more pre-scheduled, but uh, you were eager to jump right in and help us out. I try. <laughs> so we were recommended to chat with you because you have so, uh, quite a bit of expertise in African cichlids, and I've been told that you have had uh, numerous trips to Africa to try to uh, find and hand-select rare varieties. Is that not true? Um, actually, I've gone there diving. I've gone the Malawi and Tanganyika, you, you, you do not collect in those lakes. Um, I collected in South America when I was in the Amazon, um, but in Africa, you can't, uh, because some of those fish are deep, 50, 100 feet, so you can't just bring those up to the surface, catch up the net or That's whatever. That's insane. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like some of the Zaire Frontosas can be like 200 feet deep. So, yeah, you're just not catching fish that easily and then put them in your little bucket and ship them back. So it's like a three days of flying also. So it's it's very grueling as a trip getting there and the trip getting back. But it's you learn about where their habitat is and, um, you know, it's exploring, getting videos, pictures, and collaborating with other cichlid experts like Ad Connings and Pam Chin and, you know, and the... Uh, people of the lake well i appreciate uh, you coming on the podcast and we're going to do a deep dive on uh, a lot of your uh, cichlid experience but uh, i do have to do some housekeeping we've had a few different questions uh, throughout the week and i just want to remind uh, people that we do have a giveaway for blue crown aquatics sweet so go to our website aquariumguyspodcast.com and on the bottom of the website you'll see a giveaway link click on that sign up it just needs i believe your name number address so we can uh, know where to send it and it's for four 25 dollars gift cards to blue crown aquatics if i do my math right that is about one thousand dollars yeah thank god you don't do math what, what? oh it's a hundred dollar i'm sorry one thousand no, no no robbie just try again robbie just had a heart attack over i there. did i'm like now we're gonna have to pull more money out of our pockets what's going on here yeah not good but no, certainly sign up on the bottom of the website, and we've had uh, a lot of people uh, sign up so far, and it certainly um, deliver us questions, but also questions directly to our email address this week. So what? to dive into that, we have Evan, and uh, start from the top. I found your podcast this week and listened to uh, the Tips and Hacks episode. Uh, don't know. J- Jimmy's looking at me like all in smiley right now. That's because that, he's that, not about to compliment you on your didgeridoo work. What? Right? No, no. I was just gonna say that particular episode we pulled out of our butt. It was excellent. Yes, it was great. We didn't pull out of our butts, sir. We did. We did some homework. We did a, quite a bit of homework to yes. build uh, build those lists. But uh, again, back to Evan's email. I was wondering about making your own sponge filters. I heard from one of you talking about it and getting foam from a Hobby Lobby, which sounds like a great idea and much more effective than uh, buying elsewhere. However, I was wondering how to cut the hole in it and put a tubed uh, uh, uplift tube for it. I can't remember which one of you were talking about it. Also, with making the uplift tube, is there any tube? Is there any special ideas for that? I have recently purchased a couple of Swiss Tropical filters Excellent. and love the jet lifter tube in them, which uh, flows a lot of water trying to figure out how much um, excuse me trying to figure out how to make them on my own rather than purchase them so that was yours Jim that you know I, I've done a lot of uh, sponge filters I first I used to purchase my sponge filters from Steve Rubicki and then uh, watch some stuff talk to some people about how to do it he, one of his questions was how do you make that hole and 
somebody turned me on to this and it works it works really easy if you take yourself a half inch of copper tubing all you have to do is just sharpen the edge all the way around and you can take that copper tubing put it in the middle of your sponge and just spin it with your fingers real lightly and push it down and that thing cuts it like like uh, a knife through butter and it works really well and uh, I use that a lot and, and then I just go to the local hardware store and pick up half inch PVC cut it to length and and make it work for myself like that kind of like an 1880 wart remover pretty pretty accurate yeah <laughs> wow they're already they're already hammering on me for being old so what about the tube they got questions about he used the term uplift tube yeah uh, swiss tropicals that's actually i do buy uh all my uh shrimp foam from them because you can order the different size the 20 psi the 30 psi or i'm sorry ppi which is psi i'm so stupid ppi and that's just the size of the little tiny holes in the foam and what they have what, what they call an uplift tube which is basically just pvc that they've created to bring the water up through the tube and uh the swiss tropicals uh it's probably got the best price that i found for that particular foam and that foam is uh, a real high end it's made just for aquatics and with shrimp you got to be a little more careful when you're using uh, different foams but you can't beat just stealing it out of your grandpa's cadillac I do not take it out. Of, Rob's accused me of years oh. of just taking it from a seat cushion or something like that, and now he's going to get punched in the throat again. It's going to happen. Absolutely. All right, so enough uh, enough of the questions we got. So, Does your mom have any more questions, Rob? My, that is not my mom. It's Evan. Okay. okay uh, well. I'll even go with the first initial, Evan B. Evan right? B. Not my mom. All right. Yep. So I just want to remind you guys, you can also join us for Discord if you want to uh, join questions. What we do is we actually answer them live on the spot. Discord's an excellent client for chat and voice. So if you want to talk to us, great place to do it as well. So if you want more immediate responses, otherwise we love emails. We love seeing them in uh, the giveaway submissions. Certainly just, uh, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. And you can also call us. I got a great email sent to me and I didn't bring it today. I'm going to bring it next week and stuff and I'll, I'll read that one out because rob's always getting all the emails i got an email i'm bringing it next week we'll talk about that i'm pretty excited about it and are you going to leave this poor listener waiting a whole week just because you forgot it no i didn't forget it i had, I had another thing that i wanted to do today i you know you young kids always want to do a shout out i'm going to do a shout out to my whoever. all right now we're going to do a shout out just for for you well so let me tell you about my day today okay my, my wife and i uh went down to minneapolis 200 mile drive for us we go to the chiropractor down there the chiropractor that we go to is very specialized. For he, rheumatoid? For, for rheumatoid. For toliosis. Oh, okay. Thank or, you. Or, yeah. And anyway, um, he's also the chiropractor for the Minnesota Vikings. And and today he, he, he grew me a, a great compliment, I think. And, and he said, uh, he compared me to one of the players. And he goes, you're nothing like him. <laughs> what what player? That that's what matters. Huh? Here. What player? One of the one of the big fat guys up oh, front. Well, thank goodness you're nothing like. He him. goes, you're nothing like him. You're fatter and uglier. And he said, and so I'm gonna take that as a win because I got compared to one of the football players. Yeah, you you worked your way up to be compared before you wouldn't even be in the no, same not no. same vocabulary. I'm just talking about comparing me to a professional athlete. So I was pretty excited. But so we spent some time down in Minneapolis. We we stopped over to IKEA. Oh, my God. Spent three hours in Ikea. How was the Swedish meatballs? Swedish meatballs were delicious. And what? You, I, I you feel have, like you, you have a question. You ate those so you can bulk up to compare better <laughs> yes. to the Minnesota Vikings. To the Minnesota Vikings. 
So, so after we did the Ikea thing and that, we came back home and I'm listening on the radio and I heard something pretty exciting. I, I can hear Adam sighing. He's bored with this story already. Uh, that was that was him hiccuping. Oh, was he, he drank before the episode. Uh, I did not drink. Adam's drunk again. <laughs> oh, Lord. So what I heard, and I'm very excited, I want to do a shout out to my friends. This week, it's, it's uh, the 50th anniversary of the gang from Sesame Street. So I want to say hi to Bert and Ernie. Oh, my God. And Cookie Monster. And all those guys. I'm just really excited about this. Where were you? Where you now? Yeah, but but you know, here's the problem I have with Sesame Street. I watched it as as a kid. Yes, there was TV when I was a kid, Rob. So don't sit there and nod your head that I didn't watch. No, no, it was just started in Living Color. Was the advertisement? Oh, bite me. <laughs> so, it, so when I'm when I'm watching, listening to this and stuff, I'm thinking, you know, what would what would make this more realistic is let's update let's update this whole Sesame Street thing to 50 years old. Let's let's make them their age. So I'm going to come up with a new Sesame Street thing. I'm going to I'm going to try to get the whoa whoa whoa. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. So what what they're going to do, right? Just let me let me guess on this one. What? Right? So you're going to see like Bert and Ernie as an old gay couple driving in a car on Sundays real slow, <laughs> and then you're going to see like Cookie Monster fat like uh, William uh, Bradford well, saying. Dead. With Talk about diabetes. Well, diabetes, yeah, right, exactly. So I, I want to make this a reality show. You know, let's let's. The, you know, we all know the count, right? The the, the vampire-looking dude. So so he's been diagnosed with OCD. You know, and he's now suing the Big Bang Theory because he just now realized that they stole his identity and gave it to Sheldon. And so I, I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, and like you said, Cookie Monster, we're going to give him diabetes, you know. I uh, got to give you more homework because clearly you have all this free time. I had four hours of driving. Today. I had a lot of stuff. You know, oh, my God. I want Big Bird to break a hip. I want him to be in the Big Bird house, you know. Well, uh, he would be in the sanitarium because he has that imaginary friend. Oh, so, this, oh, is, this oh, is degrading very fast. So, so the Stephalophagus? They put him on antidepressants, you know, stuff like no, that. No, no, he's imaginary. Stephalophagus is not imaginary. We all can yes, see. Yes, he him. is. Oh, all right. I'm gonna reel this back into no, the, the, the podcast here. Come on now. I, I just have I have one more. All right. We finally discover why Oscar the Grouch is a Grouch. You know why? Ebola. <laughs> he's not <What>? been laid. <laughs> wow, you guys are evil. No, we finally find out that 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 what happened is that his uh, his wife had an affair with 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 Cookie Monster and uh, diabetes. Yeah, from diabetes. And then his wife and kids left him, and then he, he lost his job and he lost his his mortgage on his garbage can, and now he's living in a cardboard box down by the river. I think this thing would just be score big on TV. I think the kids would love it. All right. Well, I know now to give you more homework during the week. I like it. <laughs> Your kids. Are you the one that took away all the candy from the kids last week, Adam? Dad tax is not stealing. All right. All right. I, I, have, I have a relevant story that has to do with fish, so we don't have hard tangents. Oh, wow. So this week, one of our listeners on Discord um, was telling me a story of how he's trying to teach his friend more about fish because he's getting into fish, right? He's his personal guru. So he asked, I heard a term on a YouTube video called culling. What's culling? And he sat down and explained it to him. Well, they have these fish when they're born, right? So you have a hundred in a batch. They pick the ones that don't swim right, that have, you know, some sort of disability or the fin didn't grow right, and then they just kill them. And he described it as killing disabled children. Wow. Right. So public service announcement, bad way to do it. Also hilarious. (laughs) You're not wrong, but it's slightly more humane than that. There's a lot of snowflakes out there crying right now. Because of you. Right. So to get properly okay, informed, boomer. join our <laughs> oh, Lord. Join our Discord. Again, aquariumguyspodcast.com. And quick shout out to the people on the Discord. Some of our usuals. Got Skilla, Resi Desi, uh, Danielle, Zinix, 
Elroy, and of course, Mr. Pickle. Mr. Pickles. Yes. Mr. Pickles. Mr. Pickle is one of our first listeners who is a young gentleman from Canada. And we feel bad for him because we're from Minnesota and it's colder up there than it is here. Yeah. For the moment. For give, the moment. give it time. Yeah. All right. So uh, we got through some questions and just want to remind you uh, merch stores out there. It, it, this time's running out. Like, we got to put a clock on this. If we don't get enough people buying the merch, I won't do the crop top if it's past December 31st. And let's set the timer now. Oh, it's over. Oh, it's over. No, yeah. no, we're going to wait till Nobody December 31st. Again, if we have, I think it was 20. Uh, different people ordering from the merch store. Yeah, you said if I bought 20 t-shirts, that wouldn't count. No, no. It has to be 20 separate people bearing from the merch store. I will wear an Aquarium Guys crop top and take a picture for you all on social media. And so far, we've sold two. One to Rob and one to his mom. No, we've, we've sold more than that. All right. Just to make you more nervous. All right. But I'm not going to tell you. Yeah, I don't You just got to get more people on there. Oh, all right. Let's get to work. Let's... <laughs> You Let's people, do it. You people have got nothing else to do. Oh, I'm the one with the cookie monster story. You know mm-hmm. what? If When I'm a millionaire because of this or in jail. <laughs> I swear to God, HBO's going to cock to you about this new Aquarium Sesame Street series. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm through. Yeah, That's Epstein it. didn't kill himself either, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, Dave. Uh, excuse okay. our, uh, he's, our zaniness. He's hung up and he's over in the corner drinking. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. I'm, I'm ready to sleep. <laughs> Is that, uh, yeah. We have that effect on a lot of people. Well, to, <sighs> to keep you awake, we, we got to get some information out of you. So, Dave. Uh, okay. Again, let's start out with more about you. So, again, you own Something Fishy in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Tell us more about that. Uh, yeah, I've been in business over 28 years. Started a business when I was 22. Um, been working in the industry since I was 15. Been the hobby for over 40 years. And, you know, it's, we didn't have video games back then and we had hobbies and, you know, it just, it became a uh, addiction, you know, bred something, whatever it was, convicts, mollies. And then, uh, it just grew from there and I got into African cichlids. Jeez, probably about 36, 37 years ago and been hooked every cent and uh yep i didn't want to do construction all my life or factory work whatever and i worked shops and different stores over the early years and uh that's when i started my own and uh started doing the maintenance service doing installs and camera servicing and uh then my first pet shop and that was a failure after two years and just did the maintenance. I worked at amateur officer and then I got back into retail in 2000 and then I bought my building like two years later and I'm over 500 tanks, 36, 37,000 gallons running with like three hatcheries. Wow. So, so uh, yeah. clearly you do breeding on site then. That's an incredible amount of tanks. Yeah, we do. Yeah, quite a bit. Not everything. Everybody asks, huh? They breed everything? No, it's impossible to breed everything. So... My um my favorites is fertosas um from like Teganica. I have probably like a thousand fertosas. Um I breed Zaires when they do breed. <laughs> um and then I have all different types, Burundis, Kagomas, uh Mazwas, Samazis, Nangus, um, many variants, Makulas, Mobas, Kapampas, um quite a bit. <laughs> Will a they lot. interbreed with each other? I like the front oh, yeah. oh, Absolutely. I would you know, I get that question here and there. People wanna buy different ones and I'm not I'm not for that. Um you keep them exclusively you know, if you want a group, um, you have five or more in a group because they're co-species aggressive. So, and obviously a six-foot tank is ideal. Protosis can live average 10, 15 years and get up to 16 inches. My last Nangu is my 350 here at home. 
I had before my wild ones, my males were 18 inches. They're the size of 10 gallon tanks. Wow. And um, so they're massive. And um, so, yeah, I do not, I, I mean, if I raise some babies, if I have like Kagoma seven bars with Burundis, well, it's pretty obvious to tell the difference because the Kagomas have seven bars. Um, I do have a controversial one. I don't advertise too much. I'm not breeding them yet. I'm raising several up as the uh, Black Widow uh variant it is not a hybrid uh everybody thinks when something's different or new it's a hybrid it uh fertosa with mist bars mooning or whatever and it happens in the wild you know so it's not something that's um it's genetics it it happens and typically you know all my life i always wanted like perfect bars perfect fins straight bars whatever but there is some of that stuff happens uh, in the wild with a lot of fish so and i guess it in europe is probably where they started um they get this like marble pattering i think it's kind of cool it's different um but it's a tank strain fish it's not a hybrid like uh, parrotfish you know cross with the red devil and several whatever so five so. 500 tanks that's uh that's quite the outfit do you it, you must out uh outsource to a wholesale fish to other uh, stores it's not just your store correct no i have a little bit in the past i get inquiries here and there um um and but i i, just, I don't have the time or the manpower that's been my if anything that's been my biggest challenge um and anybody I know that's in business, not just this business, getting reliable, dependable help has been a complete nightmare. Is, is your <laughs> family year, involved at the all? Hardest. Pardon me? Is your family involved at all with your business? No. Um, my son helps here and there. My 14-year-old, like the OCA extravaganza is next weekend. So he's going to help me out, but he's looking forward to a uh, steak dinner that evening. So that's one of the reasons he's going to help. I will <laughs> help you for a steak dinner. I will, I'll <laughs> right. drive down We there. go to Hibachi. Get some filet mignon. There so, you go. Um, yeah, but no, it's me and I have my right-hand man. It's been with me for a few years, and I have a couple other helpers. I'm looking to hopefully hire a couple more because this is a busy season for us. It kicks in with the bad weather, and uh, so the next six months is, you know, busy prime time. time. Yeah. So, so where are you going to be next so. week if people people are listening where, where will you be next week you said um the ohio cichlid associations um cichlid extravaganza cichlid catfish extravaganza it's uh held the first the weekend before thanksgiving every year and um it's at the holiday inn in strongsville ohio this is the 25th year it's probably one of the biggest best uh like cichlid freshwater shows in the united states i've been a lot i belong to aca and I've been around the country and out of the country, obviously, Australia, you name it, I've been around. And um, you got all the sellers. I mean, there's probably 300 people, 300 rooms selling fish and <laughs> people in other rooms. It's crazy. Right. It's, I, I've been to so. some, a lot of these shows, too. And, and it's, it's hard for, for listeners, especially newbies. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, you have all these different breeders that come from all over the United States and they open up their basically their hotel room door. And they put the fish in a bag and put it on a table, correct? Yeah, that or I used to do it. Now I have more people come to my shop. I do tours of the hatcheries. So I get people from Canada all over. Larry Johnson, which is, I've gone with him to Malawi. Um, so everybody likes to come and see the shop. Um, I used to set up the rooms like a damn fish store. Throw the bed to the side, throw the furniture off to the side of the wall, and just put 48 10-gallon tanks in a two-by-four rack, a whole wall, and uh, basically open a fish store in the hotel. <laughs> yeah. But that's a lot of a lot of work for three days. You know, you're it's fun when you're younger or whatever. Now I'm getting old and tired and 
And it's I like just people come to the shop, spend their money, they go out the door, I'm done. Right, <laughs> right. And you don't you don't have to explain to the hotel why why the floor is all wet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, knock on wood, um, OCA hasn't had any major issues. I know one an ACA convention in Cincinnati, I think it was someone had some half-ass rack and it collapsed and uh the hotel was freaking out you know the damage the water damage and everything and but yeah i mean then there's they have a swap meet on saturday which i enjoy um it's like two hours of mayhem <laughs> there's a lot of people come for that swap meet so is that every fun. saturday i mean no it's it's the weekend before thanksgiving every year right this is the 25th year they've been doing it and, oh, i thought you were uh, talking about a different swap meet no this is the oca they have a swap meet on saturday in the afternoon like two to four two to four thirty or something Gotcha. And uh, you rent you rent a table or a couple tables, and people just put their stuff in. And you know, I bring stuff and like cichlid posters and my shirt. I sell a bunch of you know my baby cichlid stuff. And actually, I sell donuts. Even <laughs> there's a local donut shop here called Jack Frost. It's like number one in the state many years. I know the owners. I used to teach the kids at the karate school, and um, and I I sell donuts for like two bucks a piece. Sometimes I make more money selling donuts than fish. <laughs> Whatever it takes. People come in the morning. They gotta eat. Write that down. I'm gonna start doing that. We're doing good contact <laughs> Sandy's Donuts. Like. Yeah. We, we have some friends that own a, a store in Fargo, North Dakota, and they are known for their cichlids. And they have people that come down from Canada. They have people that come from all over the place, and they're really into cichlids. And I know they've been there many, many times and stuff. And um, the last time uh, Jeff and Nancy were up there, I said, hey, how was the show? He goes, I was in a ho- I was in more hotels than any whore in that town in the last freaking 15 minutes, he goes. Wow. <laughs> he said, I was in 30 rooms in 15 minutes to see what people had. Well, yeah, awesome. It's fun. It's crazy. I, I'm looking forward. I'm excited and like i have jay wilson that's popular on social media he's with fritz so we're doing like an open house on thursday from like two to five and i think we'll get some pizza for customers talk about the product whatever and give some stuff away and so it's fun but you know i'll be I'll, by the time sunday night i'll be done and over and ready for thanksgiving day for uh, a partial day off i guess because i still work on every holiday so yeah you know we we, we had uh, a few weeks back we had uh, steve rubicki from angels plus and he said he can't remember the last time he's had a full day off you know he's in the hatchery every single day including christmas his birthday and new year's we're picking yeah, on him that I've, you have to milk the cows yep yeah it's like there's no day off in this business and the not sec- with the amount of stuff i have the money and livestock and you know yeah and, and it, it takes two hours to feed at the main shop in the hatchery. Then I have another building a mile away from the shop that I raise fish also. So, so if our listeners are, are uh, want to somehow get some fish from you, how do you do? You sell through the internet? Do you sell just through your shop? How can they? How can they um, uh, grease you at, with their money? Unfortunately, I have not shipped any fish this year back to the. We've been busy, which it's good um, retail wise. And then it's I'm a small operation. It's I'm big, but I'm not. <laughs> um, but I don't have the, you know, it's doing the internet thing and shipping is a whole nother animal. You know, um, I've shipped as far as Hawaii. I've shipped the United States multiple times, livestock, dry goods. And, but I'm just not, I just, just not enough time in a day right now. And people ask a million questions, what a million pictures. Sometimes I don't buy. Can you hold it for two weeks till I get my paycheck? No. Yeah. It's like, you, you got crazy customers locally. You just open up the, the can of worms of a billion crazy people. In the United States, and uh, they just think you're open 24/7, and then you're dealing with, you know, the postal service, you know, whatever. You know, there's 
you hear the horror stories you or you've dealt with it yourself either bringing fish in or shipping fish out yeah. um it's definitely i'm missing the boat i know it would be a lot i could sell everything i have in prior week because i'm well known you know i don't you know just everybody tells me you know and i get people ask from other countries i've had you know germany um africa call me wanting to buy my fish and uh it's like holy crap so it's i've it's it's back and forth about taking it to that level but you know do i want to i want to go that big of course i want to make more money but then i do i want the more headaches um, if I'm, am I going to have the people power to, cause I'm only one person, you know, right. there's only, well, I, there's I, only so much I can do. <laughs> I totally understand because I've been in the wholesale business, uh, many, many, many years and I've dealt with the, the flipping airlines for, and, and I'm not going to badmouth the airline. It, it rhymes with Schmelta. It does. It does. Okay. Thanks for saying it. <laughs> I'm here for you. Oh, man. And I was just, <laughs> Rob's and I were just went up to uh, Schmelta on Monday and picked up a, a load of stuff. So it was pretty cute. I went in there, right? Lo- they look at me and then they look at Jim and have a completely white face all of a sudden. And they call him by name, which no airline associate does. We'll get your package right away, sir. I'm like, what happened? There, I had an instance here about three months ago. I got there. They said, well, the person that does cargo went home early, and we can't give your stuff till tomorrow. And I'm sitting there with $3,000 worth of stuff. I lost my mind, and I made her cry. Uh, I, I made her cry. She I, deserved it. Good. I made, good. Her, I made her cry, and um, then the, the manager came, and then the security came, and I told Barney Fife, the security agent, that he better get more help because I'm going to lose my effing mind. And uh, Barney Fife is old and small. Yeah. And anyway, um, they finally got me my stuff. And now the last 10 times I've been in there, they've gotten me out pretty darn quick. First name basis. Yes. Yes. And she doesn't cry as much. Oh, yeah. I've had, I know what you're talking about. They don't care. They do not care. Oh, I hate, oh, yeah. I hate, they, I had about 25 boxes and it looked like someone played hockey with the tow motors. I was so freaking pissed. And they give me the runaround. I email and you do all this stuff. and, And they just, it's a long drawn out thing until you finally give up. I mean, I had like six, seven hundred dollars in shipping, oh. and uh, it's it was oh man, yeah. You don't get me started on that shit, man. <laughs> I, I, I had <sighs> I picked up a box one time that and it's and, and you're gonna back me up on this, Dave. I know you are. The the fish that are dead are always the most expensive thing that you ordered every single time. Frickin', and I had Murphy Murphy's Law. Yes, <laughs> and I had a box with a hole in it, one side and out the other. And they go, yeah, it came in like that. And I says, that's funny. It matches your freaking forklift tying perfectly. As I stood there and put the fork, you know, the box up to the forklift tie. Right. And this is back before 9-11 when I actually could go in the back of, of Schmelta Airlines. Not anymore. Can't go back there anymore. And anyway. Nope. Um, Not unless you help them with a the dead body. Yeah. And yep. uh, son of a gun, if it didn't take me, and I'm not kidding you, it took me about 120 days to finally get paid. And it, the one bag of fish, and it was about $180, and I wasn't going to let it go. I just became rabid at that point. And I thought, you know, if I have to go out here and, and steal $180 worth of napkins and, you know, <laughs> from Schmelta Airlines. You tried to do the toilet paper, but they had those lock cases. Yeah. So I you can't. just had to, like, unroll it and then yeah. kind of put it in your bag. I don't blame you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still bitter. I'm, before I die, I'm, I'm, or I'm coming back as karma. Yeah, we're, we're, we're I don't gonna, know. As, as a as a death wish, we're just gonna go in the front and leave a deuce right in the, right in the entryway. <laughs> <laughs> but leave it on the weight 
the, the where you drop the boxes, whatever you weigh your box when you walk in. Just right. go one right there. Squat a pop there. You want to weigh out that turd right there. <laughs> Excuse me, am I overweight, ma'am? Let, go ahead and just take some off for me, why don't you? You, you know what? We're, we're going to do this because we've had so many people on, on this podcast that have absolutely just hate the airlines. So I'm going down there to take care of his person, and he's going to come up here to Fargo. We're going to get Steve or Bicky to go somewhere else to take. We're all going to go over and just you know repay it's, everybody's debt. for. <laughs> it's going to go in the news. It's like some anonymous right. hack, but it's just everybody's crapping on scales you don't want your face you know if you're <laughs> if you're from here you don't want your face on the local news but i don't care about ohio let it rip i don't care you're already on <laughs> the uh what was it uh, um secret service watch secret list service is not it can't get worse that's, a, that's another story that yeah the secret service does not like me right no, it was just so hilarious because I went in there and, you know, what did you say, Barney Fife? That's the guy you yeah. called him. Uh, he looked over and then saw me because you're, what, five? Five, eight on a good day. Right. I'm six, two, six, three. So I, I, and I'm not a small man either. So I'm towering above Jim and he comes in there and I wear shades. I have an eye condition. <laughs> So I come in a big dude, big black coat, black shades next to the guy that's made the the gal behind the counter cry. They they were definitely staring me up one side and the other. Yeah, I wish you had a a trench coat on because then we could have made the news again. Yes. yes. Lord. And this is why I don't visit you guys. Yeah. So off the, off <laughs> airlines, and let's just talk about like you know fish again. Your favorite is African cichlids, is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, I like a lot of stuff, but um, you know, my passion, I guess, would be the Rift Lake African cichlids for Tosas, because that's a that's a common question for years. What's your favorite fish, Dave? What's your favorite? And I I say for Tosas, they get the big bump on their head. They're like big bulldogs. Um, a lot of personality. I just, I, yeah, I, I love the fish. They're like young, like a big bulldog to me. Whatever, and um, and I, I get good money out of them. You know, <laughs> that 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 helps like them more, uh, breeding them <laughs> and selling the babies. So, um, and I've grown, I've gotten a reputation for them, so that helped. And uh, but I like a lot of things. I mean, I got stingrays, arowanas, tiger datnoid. I have, you know, I just sold my obby puffer today, and um, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I have plant tanks. And I've had discus before. Discus were discus pretty much. So, you know, I killed more discus when I was 15 years old than I made. <laughs> Everybody so, gets, goes in headfirst yeah. with discus and seems to <laughs> seems to fail before they get the, the kinks run out. So that's, uh, that's a normal thing. Yeah, I, I killed They're all, I killed all wild back then. So there was no, there was three discus. And I was a discus. There was brown, heckle, which were my favorite. And green. And it was controversial, blue or green. It was one of the two, but that was it. <laughs> yeah, nobody knew anything. I had Tropical Fish Hobbits magazine and an encyclopedia. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So for some of the new reading it, he was reading it by candlelight. Yeah. He's old like me. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> hey now. Hey, well, hey, I'm in the same boat as you. The, uh, hey, just because it's a collective doesn't mean you can't still be yeah. offended, Jimmy. Come yeah. on now. When I was in high school, I used to take <laughs> notes in, in high school, and I used to just chip it on the uh, with my, my mallet and my thing on the cave wall. You know, <laughs> chink, 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 chink. Th- I didn't even have to make that joke. You're making this so easy on I just, me. I'm ahead of you tonight. So just to go over <laughs> African cichlids as a whole, um, we have a lot of new listeners, so let's just go over you know general care and, uh, and maintenance of uh, African cichlids. So if you're going to have someone start, what are the, what's the best variety to start with oh boy um but usually when someone gets an african cichlids well we'll we'll take it one side they get a negative um view because if you go into the chains or box stores and assorted african cichlids are some of the worst cichlids to own the kenyai the erratus the johannes exasperatus uh whatever chipoke those are become lucifers 
possessed by the <laughs> devil and they want to kill everything. They want to kill you, eat the neighbor cat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's usually, and that's usually gives a, a black eye to the whole family of African cichlids. So I'd avoid anything that's usually assorted cichlids. So globally, any of that group is trouble. You have to pack those heavily um, to keep the aggression down and probably have no decoration or have that thing filled to the top and bottom with so much decor so they each have their nook and cranny and and uh but they're they're very aggressive they're very pretty that's one reason they sell them because when they're babies they're colorful right off the bat so, so w- when you talk um, about packing them in you mean just solid numbers or overstocking you... overstocking so um like a 55 gallon you put like 25 of those in there 30 of them and it's not 25 um, small it's that's that's a at size yeah i mean most of those average uh three four six inches other than the crab oak or the bumblebee sickle which is labeled that's a big babuna um which is the zebra group um the males are black and they could get nine inches easy um uh, females are orange with the black stripes um but those get to be big but most of those average four to six inches but if you pack them it's like I use an example of customers. I said, it's like get in the alley with 50 dudes. I'd be like, you know what? This is a no-win situation. I'm just going to join you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's a way to think about it. Everybody has to take one punch, and that's it. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, you know, you know, just we'll just get along. They're, they can't cover no set territory. There's just too many. Um, so unless you have a big tank, you get the bigger the tank is always makes it easier. The more surface area is always better. Um so it depends, but like a, a good starter, Africans usually like I'll just say the scenario what we do with people starting a new cyclic tank. Like you're the my customers coming in asking this exact question. Let's just pretend we Mr. Pickles this. walked in and he's 16 and he wants to do cichlids because I know he's listening. All right, buddy, we're on. So uh, a 55, I prefer a 75 gallon tank. That footprint's uh, great. So if it's just buying a new tank, budget's not too major. So we say 75 gallon. We get people to set it up. We're old school. Get it running for a couple of days. Get the temperature up 75 to 80 degrees. We want you to over filter our tank. Do not skimp on a filter or a heater. Those are the essential things to keep them alive. So why buy $300 of fish and put the cheapest ass crap on there? That ass backwards, we call it. And um, so you go with the biggest filter you can afford. You can put on a tank or as much filtration as possible. It just makes it everything better. Easier to maintain, better for the fish, better for you. So you get that running for two, three days, temperature's right, everything's right, and you put your normal prime water conditioner or whatever in there. And you come in and you get your starter fish. They're non-African, so we sell a lot of them, like tiger barbs, giant danios, black tetras. They're hardy, inexpensive fish. You throw like 10 of those in there, and you let them run for about a week or so, and um, that helps get the cycle naturally. And... Um, then you come in and get your first starter fish. We have a list. We have a, like a, a pamphlet at our counter. So we write the names down for the customers, especially if they're new into the cichlids. So we could help them and us keep track of their tanks. So when they come in, they have they don't come in, they have a blue one, orange one. They come in, they have the list, and then we know what they can go next into the tank. You put the least, wimpiest, smallest cichlid first in the tank. Anything you tend to like that's more aggressive or grows quicker, 
should be last. You want them going into their tank. You don't want something in there that's going to be more aggressive off bat and then try to put fish into their tank. It makes it more challenging. So like electric yellow, Libitochromas, Rusties, ACIs, as far as Mabuna slow size, those are probably my favorite Mabuna. Um, they're a good strain. Um, I dove in Taiwan Reef. I definitely fell in love with them even more after that. And um, females are bright orange, gold. Males turn blue and black stripe, but they're not the aggressiveness of like a Kenyai. Um, so those are good Mabunas. And then you move into um, uh, peacocks. You know, that's a popular one because of the colors. And then some of the haps, Electric Blues or Ovatus, or which is Azurus Twos, uh, Borley Eyes. I mean, it's it's the that's a vast majority to choose from. But yeah, if you do it in stages, you do it right, you usually have success. If you follow our way of life of doing it, you have success. So so let's say that they started with uh, some of the recommendations you had, and they intentionally, just to make sure that any aggression issues were taken care of, they purposely overcrowded. So number one, they have to have really good filtration, and you really stress that. But also, do you recommend using some sort of a, a current generation in the tank? Um, I mean, you can't. Those wave pumps I have, um, I like to definitely have aeration. Um, that to me is like a backup system because um, any of us probably know it's been in it. Uh, power failures, the canister filter, power filter doesn't kick back on. 99% of the time, an air pump will go back on. So even just an air stone or a hidden sponge filter or something, it causes a undertow, a less dead spots, circulation, helps the filters work better. Um, but you could do, you could add that. And it's, you know, in shallow waters around the reefs and islands I dove, it's, it gets choppy. I got caught in a curtain. The boat hands had to come and get me one time. I was like, I was, felt like I was on a treadmill 100 yards out. And I wasn't going anywhere. So they had to come and rescue me on one dive. Um, I got caught in a current at one island. And um, so, yeah, that, it, that, that, that could definitely help. It's not a negative thing at all. So uh, because you're overcrowding, I'm assuming you keep decorations to a minimum. So I see a lot of cichlid uh, users have a lot of like, you know, rock formations where they have caves where they can get off of uh, some current. But I don't see a lot right. of uh, weeds because, again, you want as much air space or uh, swim space in the tank as possible. That's correct? Well, it depends. Like your Mabuna species are typically like reef fish. So they're hovering around in, you know, three to ten meters you know, 10, 30 feet is like the reef of uh, the islands, a lot of rocks. And that's where the mumbunas are typically at. Or like Tanganyika, all the jewelies and lamps hang in the rocks. Your predator haps and stuff like that, um, they're going to be at the edges or the sand where they breed the big dunes. So you can do, you know, I tell people sometimes, depending on the species and the setup, either have sometimes no decoration or a lot of it. Or you do one side, you know, heavy stone, rocked up, wood, whatever. And then you have one like swimming area, you know, on one end of the tank, you know. So it, it could vary, you know, and it could depend on the species of the fish too. So... So any other specialty care needs or just make sure, again, temperature-wise, um, you want them at, what, 80 degrees? Yeah, when I was diving, it's, it was typically 78 degrees, the water temperatures. So we keep our 78, 80, typically. Um, we do 
you know, we try to get people every other week. If they get the bigger filtration, more filtration, go every other week, do about 25% water changes. Um, we do add salt, basically marine salt or a cichlid salt as a conditioner and a preventative medicine, basically. Uh, diet is obviously important. We do not feed feeders. We do not feed typically high protein uh, diets. We feed extreme. That's our main food. And then some Norfin, um, some of the Tanikins, like the Lamps, Julie's and stuff. We'll give them a treat of like some blood worms or something like that. Um, they See, can handle the higher protein. But most of your Malawians, we avoid, avoid the high protein, any high protein diets or stuff like that. So in moderation, you know, people, that's one of the biggest issues in the hobby or my maintenance service is people tend to overfeed fish. That's a, that's one of the biggest challenges, getting people to feed, you know, correctly to the amount of fish and the size fish they have in their tank. So going over just again for food in the areas that we get a lot of African cichlids, it can essentially come from what we'd say, what, four lakes, uh, Tanganyika, Victoria, Malawi, and Edward. So, in... um, yeah, Tanganyika, Malawi is your dominant, uh, I, actually they're the rift lakes. Uh, Victoria is not really a rift lake. If I recall, what's a so, rift lake, Dave, that's formed by volcanic rifts. Okay. Um, you know, there's, I'm no historian or, you know, scientist, but I mean, reading my old books and I kind of, whatever, yeah, they say one time or another, maybe a thousand years ago, they were part of the ocean, you know, and then were separated at one point in history. And I, you know, and some don't believe that, but there's like sponges, there's jelly, freshwater jellyfish. I've seen them. I swam in them. Um, you know, there's eels. There's all kinds of weird stuff. And there's actually like some sponge on some of these rocks that some of the fish actually uh, graze on or whatever. So it's like, it's very similar the water's very hard. Um, you know, they remind me of saltwater fish in a lot of ways, their breeding behavior. Um, so, yeah, they're, I was drinking the water out in the middle of Malawi, so there's still some untouched areas there that, I mean, if you could go there, do it. I mean, it's it's experience of a lifetime. So to go over a, a little bit know. of the, the history and background where these fish come from, uh, I'd always like to like mention like Victoria and uh, uh, some others. So in, was it 1920, again, we, we have, we'll just have Lake Victoria as the example because that's the one that's been most documented as far as uh, the devastation. So in, 19, oh, yeah. in 1920, the locals wanted to uh, start a, a big fish market. It was mainly people from Europe that wanted to do this and they wanted game fish. So the idea is they wanted to bring in a species called the Nile perch. It is a massive yep. size bass. These things get as big as a person, uh, well over 100, 100 pounds, 150 pounds. Yeah, holy cow. Yeah, huge. Well over. These things get uh, massive. And if you want to see these, you can actually you know Google on YouTube uh, river monsters, and he's you know caught massive ones uh, like these. But they're talking in the 1920s that they wanted to introduce these. They uh, talked about it. It was a big debate for many years. And in 1950, they introduced tilapia to Lake Victoria, and it it was pretty devastating. It, it destroyed a few uh, different species, and it had an impact on the lake, but they went forward with it. In 1962-63, in that time zone, they introduced the Nile perch, and that destroyed an estimation right away of 500 different cichlid species. And what was the reason that they introduced all these fish? For a fish market, so they could oh, harvest these well, for, for the locals well, and the, for game fish. For food fish. Yeah, well, to eat. I mean, those people, I was there, and I mean, they eat a lot. I mean, that's what they, it's, everything is about that lakes. So you've Malawi, seen this. Tanganyika, whatever. You've seen so this firsthand. Victorious, 
those those Nile perch eat everything they can hit in their mouth. So all those indigenous species um, that did escape to the rocks areas and other parts of the lake were decimated. They were you know eaten. So they they're gone yep. from history. They're and and I remember seeing I don't know whose talk it was. Um, even the Nile perch they overfish so much they don't even get them that big anymore. Right. They they just been and it's crazy and like a Malawi. Um, I've seen it like firsthand, you know, Bill Gates foundation and Linda Gates foundation, they donated mosquito nets to, you know, for the locals, whatever, because of malaria and all that stuff. Well, these guys got smart and sewn mega hundred yards, a mile long giant fish net, which are the size of your like brine shrimp nets, a real fine net. They catch everything. I've seen that stuff on beaches in these fishing villages and just thousands and thousands of cichlids and catfish, babies. They catch everything. So they don't eat all of that stuff. What they do is they sun they sunbake it and they feed it to the chickens and the goat as feed. So they're they don't realize they're just destroying their whole ecosystem and their food chain. Um and it's it's sad. It's it's scary because the future of a lot of these lakes and the what inhabits them is gonna be gone probably. Pretty so, bleak. So the estimation continued and they started seeing uh, species for the Nile perch the numbers decline in the uh, late 1990s and by 2010 they saw a massive devastation in the population though essentially the entire ecosystem is beginning to crash the top predator doesn't have enough stuff to feed off of so the numbers didn't continually decline and it's heavily fished so before all this well, before the introduction it was again like you mentioned a freshwater marine reef environment. It was incredible. And they had cichlids that were omnivorous, detrivores, meaning they would eat decaying scraps of anything, insectivores, um, planktivores, so they're literally just plankton feeders, sponge eaters. There's a mm -hmm. huge diversity of different types of cichlids and cichlid needs and care. So, yeah, you saying that it's not necessarily a high-protein diet really does uh, does resonate that not every cichlid's uh, the same, and there used to be a ton more. Oh, yeah. It's 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 a shame. Um, it's sad, but that's that's unfortunately the world, the third world living. So there, there, I don't know. Uh, in the history of uh, of Lake Victoria specifically, in 1980s, I believe they introduced um, water hyacinth, which is known to just spread, especially if you're in a warm climate, spread and cover everything. So that made a lot of uh, dead spots on the, across the lake. But it did um, bring out some uh, herbivorous species around 1980 that thought were completely extinct. So we've uh, there's been some documentation of it, but it's still a still a tragedy. I think gives a little background for the listeners. Hmm. So I you, didn't know that one, but that makes sense, I guess. So you have so. some uh, experience going to these lakes. So you know, describe that uh, for the listeners. You know, number one, what what uh, encouraged you? I know you love fish. It was just that love, and you decided I gotta I gotta get this done. Did you go with a group of people? Yeah, or? it's it's a it's a dream. You know, you only live once, and uh, I was like, you know, this is what I live and breathe my entire life since I was a kid, and. Uh, you know, you always National Geographic, whatever. It's like, man, I want to, you know, I can't, I can't believe it. And then, you know, I talked to, um, I don't know, I got Odd Connings, you know, got me with a, a Larry Johnson, which I'll see next week, um, become good friends. And I just, how do I do this? What do I need to do? Blah, blah, blah. Gives you the itinerary, what you need to do. You have to get all these shots and pills and go all crazy. And I flew out by myself out to meet them somewhere in, <laughs> in Malawi. <laughs> And uh, and that was and we had a lady from Australia, a couple guy, a guy from Wales and UK, Pete Barnes, which is a uh, popular over there, and and then um, who else? Uh, Larry. There's like international group. So 
and it was I just got certified finally to dive uh, before I went on that trip and I mean I loved it was it was awesome it was just the experience I just hate the traveling all that flying oh my gosh it's horrendous how long does and, it take um, you to get there oh Malawi I was 2014 I went and um, it's whatever two and a half days two days oh my lord um, it's 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 long and I, when I was coming back I was wanting to break out the company card trying to that plane was so full i was like i wanted business whatever it cost i didn't care and i couldn't get nothing and it was like and when we were coming back we went to some little airport gas must be fuel must have been cheap because it's like in a desert somewhere it's kind of scary <laughs> and um that's from adis or no that was from uh Malangui to some desert to adis abbas adis abbas to rome rome to dulles washington and Washington to Cleveland coming back now Tanganyika oh my gosh it's th about 36 37 hours of flying I think or something so how it's, long do you normally crazy I mean 36 hours that's I mean I fly three hours to Florida and I want to kill people um <laughs> seriously well that's because you fly Schmelta I yeah I fly Schmelta and it's it's yeah it's it's oh yeah so, I met because I met odd and uh, Pam Chin out of California and Chicago because I kind of like wanted to be with them because they've been doing this for years. He's been going for 30 years. So I was like, I want to go with, they know what they're doing, where they're going. And, right. It's and, nice uh, to have a, a, a so wingman. I flew with them and we went to, oh God, trying to remember. I'm getting old. Um, I know Istanbul, like three different airports and then Tanzania, which was this little airport to get to the lodge in Capilla. It was nine hour plus drive in a truck you know suv so it's it's three days three and a half days so it's a week of just traveling to get there so two weeks of diving we started in tanzania capilli and worked our way down to zambia and um yeah it was it was definitely an experience i had so much footage and videos i just no one's even seen yet i just haven't had time to download i have that jimmy um and he's i bartering with him so hopefully i get some youtube stuff down the road i just gotta get all that stuff to him and he could do his little computer magic see you gotta have but, that as a subscriber goal once you get x subscribers then you'll start you know leaking some of these amazing dives and this yeah like, because there's so much people don't you know it's it's a different world i mean it's yeah I, it's I've, what you see in a tank this is, is so one thing but seeing it live you know it's 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 awesome so this is like three weeks of actual I mean, you're gone about three weeks, then, really? Wait, oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and when I went to South South America, it was like two weeks, so that's much easier, but muddy and humid. I've been to Australia. I went to Great Barrier Reef there before in the rainforest in Australia. So, so this yeah. must cost you three or four thousand dollars just in airfare. Or, or oh, rain. actually, Tanganyika was cheaper than Malawi this time. Last year, I went to Tanganyika. It was with the insurance. I think it was. 1350 so it was a good deal wow flying and um when i went to malawi it was with insurance was 1750 so but that's Tegnica, really affordable yeah i was gonna say that's not horrible yeah. other than the damn flight so what's the insurance Malau what's the insurance the covered? insurance was you know protection of like baggage and whatever okay I mean, when you're doing an international flight it's i think it's worth it you know just to have that extra coverage what's another 100 200 bucks i mean you're 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 going that far um have some kind of peace of mind um so yeah i just i just rather be try to be as safe as you know possible and have some kind of uh backup if you lose your luggage and your gopros and everything and you know it could ruin your trip but at least you're getting paid 
you know, at the end, if something happens, I guess. Um, or hopefully you can find so. the African version of Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, they ain't shit. And uh, there's no Walmart. There's no Amazon. That's why I, I, like, when I went to Malawi, I was like, the thing, I think I was like the medic. Because I'm, I'm uh, like a survivalist. I over. Overpack? I, I think about, I, I think if the airplane's going down, what am I going to do? How am I going to survive? If I'm on an island, if I'm in the water, that's my mentality. Um, so I, yeah, I'm over and above usually prepared for anything that's coming. So yeah, it, I think in my I world, if, if the plane's going down, I'm storming the bar. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so you're looking for the little bottles on the cart. That is right. That's, get out of my way. I'm, I'm not going down sober. Excuse me, sir. Take your seat. Yeah. Not until I get that rum and coke. That's right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, um. But the the Tanganyika the dive trip is it was four grand because that includes the oxygen tanks. You did get like three meals a day, um, and the boat and all that stuff. The boat hands, uh, Malawi, it's about two grand, so it's less expensive to definitely go to Malawi as far as the two week like diving and the lodging and all that stuff. So is is the lodging pretty primitive or or how is it? Um, and the food. Well, the Tanganyika. It was, um, we camped out um, most of the time in um, little islands. So that, you don't sleep that good. I didn't sleep that good. You know, they had tents for you. And you had a, I had um, a guy, he's Lithuanian. We called him T-Bone. He's got this crazy name. He was a character. And um, so we got, they set these tents for us, whatever, when we stayed. But hot, I mean, like dry, hot heat. So it wasn't like the most comfortable and uh, the one island we stayed on going there to Zambia, then coming back, and these stupid, they're not monkeys. They had the big eyes, like gizmo or something. Those stupid things screamed all howler night. Mo- howler long. monkeys? No, howler yeah. monkeys are from South Africa. I was going to say, that's not in the they're right like country. Baboons. Bigfoot. No, they're not baboons. They're like little mini things with big eyes. I don't. I can't remember their names. Eye but eyes? Like, Lemurs. They have huge eyes at night. Lemurs. And, um, no, they're like little gizmos, if you remember the movie Gizmo or I think something. You're, you're thinking of but, Eye-Eye. They're, they're relatively small, giant, like big, yeah. big fat eyes. They, they, yeah, there's like one behind our like campsite, like back in the mountain or the tree or somewhere. And the other one was on the other end. And those two screamed at each other all night long. I wanted to kill them. Maybe they were look, looking for like, love. Yeah, they are screaming like girly teenagers. <laughs> Oh yes, like, oh it's an eye eye. That was a pretty good impression Wait, right they're there. They're from Madagascar. Eye eyes are from Madagascar. Are they? I thought well, they're from yeah. Africa as well. They're not in Africa. Yeah. I'm thinking, it's going to be a babies? mystery forever. I'm going with Bigfoot. No, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> we have Bigfoot in Minnesota. That's it. I got to watch more National Bush Geographic. Baby. That's what it is. Bush babies. You guys don't know nothing. Bush babies. This ain't National Geographic, boys. These names are getting weird. <laughs> yeah, it's Bigfoot. So, what's the, so. some of the coolest stuff that you found while diving? I'm assuming you're just sitting there diving going, I know that species, I know that species. Hey, somebody's car keys. Oh, car keys. <laughs> There's a dead person well, there. there. <laughs> we, you know, especially in Zambia, there was you know a lot of illegal fishing, and he found these gill nets and just all kinds of cichlids stuck in these deep these nets going, you know, 50 feet, 100 feet. Did you save any? And catfish. Oh, no. I mean, was, I got video of it, and they're, they're dead. Most everything is dead already. It's been there. They put them in for days and just leave them down there and catch whatever but you know seeing uh some fish that were huge you know you, you didn't realize they can get that big even um like some julia chromis i mean and the, i wanted to take so many fish home <laughs> 
uh, I was like, oh my god, this is the most beautiful Slenderkiss I've ever seen. Um, you know, and what was surprising was the shell dwellers, which are very popular now in the hobby. Um, you have to go 50 feet to 100 feet to see shell dwellers. That you, I really? thought they would be more shallow, and no, they are deep fish. I was hitting 50, 60 feet to see shell dwellers. So, um, and seeing like a multifaciatus, thousands of them, you know, like a 20 by 20 foot area, just a graveyard of shells and just a million little multifaciatus shell dwellers everywhere. It was so cool. So, and then the eels, like oddball stuff, you know, you see crabs and catfish, but the eels. I have like I have a big fire eel in my display tank. The shop that's about thirty inches, but seeing like black ones, and leopard looking ones, and striped ones, and brown ones, and um, different sizes, it was like wow. I didn't, never knew that was so many variations of these types of eels for in Tanganyika that we don't I don't see those shipped in to the hobby hardly. Ever. So how do they you know? get permits to see if they could, even for just research purposes or protecting a species, like making to take them out of the lake and try to do captive breeding? Um, I think, well, there was Toby. Um, what, I can't remember his last name. He had the place in Zambia. He's one of the first original like exporters. And um, he, there was an accident. He got partially paralyzed, I guess, and moved back to Europe or something. There was a college young guy was monitoring the island and um, there was a couple colleges and they'd come like a couple times a year. They had their own boats there and they had some breeding programs like the Tropius Mazwa. And um, they're like extinct in the wild from overfishing, collecting and stuff. And uh, they had like pools, like ponds, you know, four or five of them. And they were absolutely gorgeous. So there's some effort um, reintroducing repopulating certain areas of stuff that's been overfished. Um, in Tanzania, it's definitely uh, more controlled. You didn't see, like, so many fishermen. They're so uh, under um, Chris Horsfield that owns um, Lakeshore Lodge. That's who our host was. And, uh, yeah, the Tanzanian's been more proactive um, and stopping illegal fishing and stuff like that and illegal trade. So, and the populations are rebounding, you know, coming back. So, you know, there's some effort, but, you know, Technique is the second largest, fifth deepest lake in the world. It's hard to imagine to you're there how big, <laughs> how big these lakes, rift lakes are. They're massive. And they're very deep, right? Oh, super deep. I mean, I didn't, I got earaches twice, which sucked. So that kind of slowed me down. Um, I know Mattia, the tie-in guy, and T-Bone. I think one of them went 150 deep. I know Ad was getting 100, 120 um, feet. That's that's crazy deep down there. And, you know, they only got five minutes, you know, of time pretty much before your tank spent. So you go down there and you start to get the fan. I didn't have big fancy camera work like those guys do. And they're coming out with pictures of Gnathochromus, Permalaxillaris, uh, eyes, certain stuff that I did not see at 60 feet, whatever. You had to go really deep um, to see some of these species. Yeah, so, much, much further you know, than I, that, you have to use Trimix for diving. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's getting a serious. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, advanced diver or anything um but yeah you they were uh <laughs> yeah they were they were done once they did one dive we do two three dives sometimes in a day um but when they did a couple of those times they went you know hit that 100 feet plus they were they were spent for the day they couldn't be going down anymore so how's the clarity of the lake 
Um, it depends. Most of the time wasn't bad. It was nice when the sunlight was really out because it gives that shimmering off the rocks. I mean, there were some beautiful spots. Then if it was like windy, obviously it was stirred up a little bit more murky. Um, so it varied from location to location. So one fish I did see that, you know, Fritosis was one of my main ones. And the next one would be the Bullish Chromis Microlepsis or the Emperor Sickle, which is the largest sickle in the world, up to 40 inches and 30 pounds. And I've been keeping raising those fish for about 19 years, I guess. So it was great to see those fish in the wild. Definitely. So not to get off the subject because this is this is fascinating. I would be absolutely screamed at by our listeners if we didn't uh, get a bit into breeding. So clearly, you have a variety or have attempted to have, uh, raise at least as many African cichlids as you can. So, what are the different forms of breeding that some of these African cichlids uh, handle? Um, well, on the Malawi side, it's um, they do a good portion of the work for you because they're mouth brooders um, and. When the females, you could have a male, like peacock or hap or like a mubuna. They could have multiple females to a male, which is ideal. So there's, you know, not singular aggression toward one female. Because some of these fish can be definitely high in domestic violence. <laughs> and um, so, and the you know, male's typically always ready. And he gets the female when she's ready. They do their love shack shimmy, I call it. And um, they'll breed on a flat surface rock or angled rock or... Um, a sand pit and she'll lay a number of eggs and pick them up and she'll go near his anal fin which they have ocelized like egg spots and they're like dummy eggs and he melts fertilizes the eggs within the mouth and then she can hold them you know up to four weeks before she totally releases them and they're free swimming fry and then they're on their own um then he gets to the tanganikans you have some mouth fritters like frontosas vitralis uh trophius and stuff like that uh, those are mouth brooders. Then you get into the Lampergotus, also Lampergotus, Calvis. Uh, some of them are like shell dwellers, cave spawners, and it's usually more of a bonded pair on some species. And male-female, they dig their cave or their pot or whatever, and they lay their eggs, and then they hatch in a few days. And most of them are usually good parents, and they'll tend to the fry. It's like a big family thing, and uh, chase everybody else away, and and they'll raise the fry. Sometimes I eat them, makes it challenging. Then I have to take them out and raise them myself because the parents are not being good parents or whatever the case is. And that matches like some of our native sunfish, if I'm correct. Or they yeah, actually build I mean, I'm, I'm not a native fish expert, but I used to go fishing a lot. And I always looked, and I used to go and watch the actually fish spawn, bass, whatever. I used to keep native fish actually in my tanks i've had northern pikes and you name it i've had just about everything and um it's interesting because i consider them cichlids basically their their behavior colors and very similar to cichlids in general that that proceeds the question have you ever had a sunfish with cichlids mm, personally i don't think so i probably had a bluegill i had pumpkin sea sunfish before i had smallmouth bass i had largemouth bass um yeah, I don't think I've mixed my natives with too much. I mean, when I was younger, my teens, I might have. Knowing me, I've always did. Because I only had so many tanks. I had 33 tanks set up in my parents' basement before they kicked me out. So, <laughs> And you were 12 when you, they kicked you out? 
No, I was, uh, yeah, it was later, but I ended up with 33 tanks in my parents' basement. So I was breeding fish for Tosas. I was wholesaling cichlids basically out my basement because back in the day, there was a pet store every five square miles. So, uh, you know, first it was just to pay for the hobby. And next thing you know, I was making money, uh, yeah. pimping my fish. And it's a lot easier to make money when you're in your mom and dad's basement, not paying the electricity bill and, oh, yeah. and not paying rent. <laughs> right <laughs> that, that's much the good, so that, that's my the good my, old days that's my recommendation to everybody is, is is even if you're 30 years old go back to your parents house do it there <laughs> let them pay for the electricity oh water sewer and all that so on the mouth brooder side do you ever because i see people that actually mouth brood eggs do you ever take the eggs out and put them in a hopper um i personally do not use um egg tumblers i actually have a couple um i use the regular spec jars and Typically, when I strip the females, it's usually 10 to 14 days. I, I note it on the tank when I notice the mouthfuls, and we strip them 10, 14 days, and they're usually heads and tails. So they're almost like popcorn. That's usually the ideal time to strip them because if they're just eggs, like I picked, I pulled a Kagoma Fertosa last week. Um, I had three females. This one, they were eggs. Um, and I'm like, that's a pain. Then I use like methylene blue, highly aerate them with the air stone and hatch them. But that's not always successful. If they're heads and tails, it's the easiest to get them out of the mouth. If they're, you're pulling late, they're already free swimming. A lot of times the fry are trying to swim back up in the mouth or back in the throat. So it makes it challenging. It's more stress on the fish. And I'm cussing more trying to get the fry out of her mouth. And, uh, you know, so 10, 14 days is usually my mark. Unless it's something more challenging, like my, I have rare pindus down in Patea Pindu from a Crater Lakes. And I don't know, they're not, they're not doing well. They're not holding the fry. It's like three, four days are gone. So I might actually have to start yanking the females and doing it myself have to try to raise the rig use a tumbler um to get some successful spawns out of them so how do you get egg or fry out of one's mouth what's the process um, just pick uh, pick them up open their mouth well and i the best i usually have the i have the containers ready and i go to the floor um from experience you don't want to do it at the top of the tank because she slips out of your hand boom hits the floor then you get fry splattered all over the floor it's all messy and so i get all my containers um if it's multiple females i'll have uh, a, a small bucket ready with the tank water and i'll go through each female look in the mouth if it's if they're not if they look like they're heads and tails um i strip them if they have eggs and she's not a spitter i throw her back into the main tank but usually i throw all the females in the bucket go through them and get all my containers and then I go to a top of tank or I have a rack and um, we use paint marker and we mark the tanks and clip the air. And once they're free swimming, it's a, like basically assembly line all every week. So I just move stuff today. So they go into a five, 10 gallon tank. And when they start growing out, then they move into a 29 gallon tank or a 75 gallon tank. And depending on the supply and demand, um, I'll move them into my other building. My biggest grow is 450 gallons, uh, 350 gallon, and lots of 125s and 75s. And I just pump them. You know, they're just getting moved tank to tank, whatever. And then once they're sellable size, they go right back to the retail store. And, uh, you know, it's it's never ends. <laughs> so what uh, what do you feed fry? Because some cichlids can be a little bit larger. You, you still do brine shrimp, that whole method? Nope, don't do any brine. I'm allergic to brine shrimp, so I avoid it. You're, um, you're what? Allergic? Oh, I've heard yeah, that I'm, before. 
Yeah, definitely. I don't. Yeah, I'm allergic to the seafood shellfish. So, um, yeah, avoid it. Um, I make my own blend of fried food. I've used like New Life in the past. Um, but I'll, I actually go through a coffee grinder. I sell the food because people keep asking what I feed. I, I get like the shake from the krill. I have like big cans of like free dried krill and I'll use the leftovers of that and like the extreme monster pellets. Like you have the powder, uh, and I'll use like some, I use everybody's stuff. I mix it all into a thing and put it through a coffee grinder and I make it into a fine powder. So I'll have to give that a try. Blend. See that if it works for other fish, because I, I've never seen a whole lot for smaller fish that works because it's kind of getting in your mouth. But if you're doing to a powder, you always see like that Hakari baby powder. It really doesn't, it's hit and miss. It works for feeder guppies, but or, like, feeder guppies, it works Endlers? for any guppies. Endlers. But, uh, Endlers are their own thing. I suppose. Give it a rest, jeez. But no, I'll have to, uh, have to give that a try. I've never, uh, never said yeah, success. I use, so. I use spirulina flakes. I use some of the North Fins vegetable. I'll use, um, uh, extreme. I use, I actually throw catfish scrapers in there. I just make this big and put a big hop thing. And then I start, I start putting it through the espresso, um, coffee grinder. And, um, I make my own fine powder fish food. So not to get away from the food and babies, but uh, another thing on the list is pH. So generally I've heard that a lot of African cichlids can stand really high pH conditions. I'm assuming that's mm-hmm. not correct for all fish, all African cichlids, right? Well, it's, I, as far as I know, I think it's supposedly technique can be like 9.2 or something. That's ins- ridiculous. That's battery acid. Yeah, that's like liquid calcium or something. I don't know. Um, Cleveland tap water here is naturally on the hard side around 7.6 7.8 so i don't i don't test water i hardly ever test i test people's water and usually i ask them questions and figure it out before i even test the water um like i've been doing it so long i can touch water and tell you what the temperature is um i can do the same yeah it's a you've been doing it like an electrician knows every color wire or whatever it's like this is you know your trade so um how fish are acting and stuff like that overfeeding overpopulating not enough maintenance water changes whatever um so i don't i don't worry i don't I don't test. I mean, I put, I like using sea chems, or not sea chem, um, uh, Caribbean Sea, um, Ivory, the Ivory Coast, Cichlid Sand, and that is actually very close to what the Rift Lakes, what's in the Rift Lakes. I mean, it's so, like, identical, because I brought some of the sand back at different beaches. I grabbed a handful, put it in a Ziploc bag as just a, as a reference, you know, at certain places, and just seeing you know, the grade of sand and what it looked like and the colors. And, and uh, so I use mostly that, and that's like a, a coral-based sand part of it. So that's going to be a natural buffer. And then if you use tufa rock, coral rock, other things in there will contribute to the, you know, the water quality, whatever. So, well, any other recommendations for listeners for, uh, for cichlid care? I, I really want to cater because we've had a, a few different questions from beginners. So just to evaluate, make sure you maintain heat, you over filter and you overpopulate and, uh, to handle a lot of the aggression cichlids can offer. You make sure to have a lot of swimming space, especially when you're overpopulating. Uh, Some uh, cichlids require more of a rock reef environment, so have places for them to accommodate. And you recommend yeah. sand. Yeah, sand. I mean, they could do gravel. Cichlids are, that's one thing about cichlids, the Africans, they're hardy. They're just a hardy, easier in general fish than like discus or saltwater. You know, you can make it look like a saltwater reef tank. I've done for football players and stuff like that and you know offices hospitals whatever and people don't know the difference they see all these bright blues and oranges and yellows and and peacocks and stuff like that and uh so they're all around a, a 
great fish you could have for the rest of your life. Well, perfect. I, I want to leave listeners with uh, one of fun facts I uh, found in doing homework to making sure I can uh, buff up for this uh, interview. And one of the things I found, which I really didn't uh, didn't know I was called this, is the uh, cuckoo sedantis or cuckoo catfish. Yeah. I, I found out that sedantis multipunctatus. There you go. You, you even had the uh, full on name. Um, there, yep. You can look on videos on YouTube. You can certainly just type in the cuckoo catfish. And National right. Geographic even has a old video of yep, this happening. It. I'll let you tell the story. Oh, it's great. Uh, yeah, Joel's of the Riff. That's a great video. You can still find it online. And what it is, they also call it like the parasitic catfish. And what it does, these catfish, when they pair and the females ready with egg, they found a mouth-brooding cichlid, and they follow them. And when the mouth-brooding cichlid, the female deposits her eggs, she's frantically picking up her eggs. And the catfish, I mean, it's quick. And they go in, and he fertilizes and drops her eggs right in the middle of the spawning of the mouth-brooding cichlid. So, and she's frantically picking them up all these eggs, not realizing she's pricking up a foreign fish's eggs as well. And so she's harboring these eggs, and she's protecting them within her mouth, not realizing she has a parasitic catfish. And the catfish develop very quickly within her mouth, and they start eating the eggs or the baby cichlids within the mouth. And she's raising these catfish up as her own. She's like a surrogate mother. And uh, it's it's I when I first time I bred them. That was in the 90s. I was, like, shocked. It was so cool, though. It was, it was very interesting. So the crazy part of this is the mother does not care even when they're growing and all her uh, normal babies are gone. She's, uh, there's no differentiating between the catfish and her babies. So even when they're brooding and they're free swimming, she'll, you know, if something comes close, she'll put them back in her mouth. She'll protect them as their own through the entire process. And they don't harm? Yeah. They don't harm the mother at all? Not until they yeah, get, uh, not until they get uh, big enough where they can try to nip. But no. Are you listening, Adam? You've yeah. got you've got four kids. You should just drop them off somewhere and and then pick them up in ten years. There you go. Save some Is that money. How that works? Just it, it so basically house, when they're picking them up from a <laughs> soccer field, you have to swap minivans so they uh, they take their kids with yours. That's right. Stick stick some soccer mom with your four kids, and then that'll save you a lot of money raising them up, and then just pick them up ten years from now. Okay, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> so the species, uh, according to Wikipedia, because Wikipedia may be wrong, was 1898 when the cuckoo. Uh, um, species was discovered and they found uh that to be the trait so i'm assuming that the the cuckoo name came from the cuckoo bird which did the same thing it just again stole all the eggs from the nest put her eggs in and the bird raised the eggs for them so it's, it's a crazy uh feat of nature certainly check out the videos online that sounds really oh, cool. yeah that's cool well is there anything else that uh you have for us that we think we missed Nah, no nah, not at this point in time <laughs> all right adam you got any well, questions for him yeah, what would be a uh, cichlid that you would recommend that there needs to be more of, either because it ne- it doesn't have very much following in the hobby, it's got like a good behavior, you know, kind of like a trophy fish where the hidden gem, like, yeah, a hidden gem type a diamond fish. in the rough. Oh boy, that's a good question. Um, well, that's it's, yeah, interesting question. Um, and it's not the parrot fish. It's, it's more cuckoo catfish. Yeah. Or the Hopacaris pacificus, the true parrot cichlid. I have those also. That's a nice fish. Um, well, you know what? It's I still have convicts, actually. Um, old and tried and true. I mean, I people, bet you have more than one. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> I got a few. Um, they're good dither fish for the big mean mean fish. Um, well, I mean, like Burundi fritosas. They're they kind of like fall into the wayside. 
they're like kind of the originals and everybody jumps on this bandwagon what what's new what's the hip fish what's the rare fish you know i think part of it's because people think it's dollar signs and they think they're going to breed the fish and be millionaires but some of the old try and true fish you know give them a break they're just as good and nice as some of the newer fish you know it's like don't forget them you know that's kind of one of those things it's like i love all fructosis but uh burundis i mean you could get them cheap you know i sell them for nine ten bucks <laughs> a piece all day long in the store so a starter frontosa technique in that gets lives a good long, long time and uh it's like having a pet dog you know some people train them to eat out of their hands there's a lot i mean there's there's so much endless i mean there's a lot of rare stuff that I like to see people breed like the ganathochromus permalaxillaris i'm on my third attempt trying to breed them over the years and so far i haven't had success well yeah, i, I, I appreciate know. the info and we'll uh have listeners certainly looked that up, but if they uh, want to look you up, again, your website is somethingfishyinc.net. Uh, certainly yes. uh, go on there and apply for a job. You have upcoming postings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Facebook is somethingfishyinc.net too, so that's that's usually my go-to social media. I do have Instagram. It's one aquabees. You have a YouTube? Like the live show. YouTube, it's somethingfishyinc, also .net. There's like two of them, but the one that has the most subscribers go to that one i i can't transfer i'm not a technology buff but i can't move one to the other i guess so um the one i'm building up i'm at 152 right now <laughs> but i do some like videos i just posted one from a maintenance yesterday just a little clip of me a maintenance count i do so I'll, I'll do stuff of the hatcheries here and there and you know pick out a fish or pacific and talk about that sometimes and you know so i do show and tells on the facebook i do live on tuesdays usually afternoons and saturday mornings i do rants people i want to start my own show just rants people seem to like my rants about business or hobby sometimes <laughs> start with the schmelta episode it works every time <laughs> <laughs> also, right. um, to remind them, meet meet you up at the uh, Cleveland Swamp. More information on that? Ohio Cichlid Association. Look it up on, you know, just Google it, OCA, Ohio Cichlid Association. They have, obviously, uh, like a Facebook page. And uh, it's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday next weekend, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Excellent. Well, I appreciate all your time, Dave. It was uh, quite kind of you doing this last minute, and we'll uh, okay. we'll probably back have you back on the show if we can uh, sneak you away. Okay. All right, guys. All right. Well, just to remind everybody, certainly uh, subscribe uh, to, to this to get a push notification to your phone, and above all else, share this with a friend, and uh, buy a t-shirt so I can humiliate myself online publicly. Oh, yeah. We, <laughs> we need to see that. Oh, so much. So much. All right. Let's kick that outro. Thanks, guys, for listening to this podcast. Please visit us at AquariumGuysPodcast.com and listen to us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We're practically everywhere. We're on Google. I mean, just go to your favorite place, Pocket Casts. Subscribed. Make sure it gets push notifications directly to your phone. Otherwise, Jim will be crying in his sleep. Can, can I listen to it in the in my treehouse? In your treehouse, in your fish room, even alone at work. What about at my man cave? Especially your man cave. Yeah. Only if Adam's there. No. With feeder guppies. No. no. They're endless. You midget loving <laughs> sucking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we'll see you next time. <laughs> Later.